We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the last... Bronx Pinstripes episode of 2021. Maybe I just scared the shit out of people there, and they're like, "Oh no, the podcast is." Ending. I was like, "Oh damn, are you trying to tell me? Are you gonna are you gonna drop a bomb on me in the beginning of this show? This is we're gonna be going into our seventh year. Is that right? Seventh or eighth? Did we shit, start. I don't even 15, know. Fifth, 2015 was the so first seventh. season. Yeah, yeah. So happy New Year, everybody. I want to kick off uh, asking you a question, Scott, because if people are a multi-season listener of this show, they know that uh, I have a little a little thing when it comes to wishing people Happy New Year. And yeah, once, and you just wish me a Happy New Year early. Which well, I'm, so that's, I, I, that's, I'm, that's, I'm offended. That, well, I'm going to ask because this came up. So obviously we've, we've discussed and then Curb Your Enthusiasm did a whole thing on it. It's you can't wish hap- a Happy New Year to people l- like too far into the year. I give it a two-week buffer. If you see me or talk to me in the first two, maybe three weeks of January, you can wish me a happy new year. Once the calendar is almost February, just come on, forget it. We're, we're on to bigger and better things. You're not wishing me a happy new year anymore. But how If early, you're talking about the first three years, the first three weeks or almost February, I feel like you got to give it January if it's a first no, time. I, I don't think I don't think all of January. I, I, I really do too. I, once Martin Luther King Day comes around, like, no, no more happy new years. But I got wished a happy new year yesterday in the grocery store by the, uh, yep. by the cashier. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's after Christmas and there's the whole thing, uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. So they're kind of, they kind of go hand in hand, but, right. but people are wishing people happy, uh, Merry Christmas. You're they, like, I don't celebrate a Merry Christmas. It's too early for new years. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but, but you get Merry Christmas is all of December, basically. Like even after like December, the whole month of December is just Merry Christmas left and right. How early can you wish people a happy new year though? Cause, cause it's not the new year yet, but it was post Christmas. So right. I, I, I kind of didn't have a problem with it actually. I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like Christmas was two days ago. Now new year's new year in a couple days. Like, yeah, I wish you a happy new year. Okay. Yeah. I got no problem with that. I think that as you're approaching Christmas and 
you know, you, 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 like you said, you kind of lump them together, but for, for someone who's, you know, working at the grocery store, they're just being friendly. You can't, you can't fault someone for just being friendly who doesn't know I'm who not, you are. I'm not faulting yeah. them. I was in a good mood, okay? I, I I was in a good mood. I had a nice conversation with the lady because I was buying some baby food for Harrison. She was asking me about my son. I was having a nice conversation with her. And she said, oh, happy new year. It's like a happy new year to you too. She caught me in a she caught me in a good time in a good mood because as you know, if that wasn't the case and I got a happy new year and I was in a bad mood, there was gonna be hell to pay. Perumph. Perumph. <laughs> Perumph. Yeah, no, the uh I think it's okay to do it within, you know, within a week or so. The 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 post-Christmas deadline is <coughs> makes a lot of sense to me. I'm I'm into that. Yeah. And again, I, I I agree with you. I'm not as I'm not as uh, you know, hard stanced on the happy new year thing at the end. And and quite frankly, I do it just to test the waters and see how people react sometimes. Uh, because I like being a, a bit of an agitator. You know, I'll definitely do it to you, but it doesn't it's kind of lost its luster at this point. You just roll your eyes and move on. I, I don't get any reaction <laughs> that I'm looking for anymore. So it's it's kind of gone at this point. But other people, I will test it just to see how, what they do. Um, and then, you know, potentially start another conversation. But what's look, the- I think early early is okay. And then honestly, January, if I'm here, if I'm seeing you for the first time or talking to you for the first time and wishing there, someone's wishing me well for the year, I'm not going to be mad at them for wishing me well. If it's into February, then I'm like, okay, you know, we're moving on now. We're There's there's no longer, you can't acknowledge a month. One twelfth of the calendar is now gone and we only have 11 left. So no more. What is the thing called uh, where people quit on their resolutions? Is it quitter's day? I, I don't think. know. So there is a, I'm trying to, national quitter's day. The second Friday in January is known as quitter's day. It's like, it's the likely day when people give up on their new year's resolutions. So if you hit the second Friday in January, then maybe you can no longer wish people a happy new year. If if the rest of America, if the rest of the world is quitting on their diets and their workout regimes and all this crap that they have planned for the new year, if they're quitting on that, then it's no longer, you can't wish me a happy new year anymore. Can we agree on that second Friday of January? Okay, but then there's the weekend when you see people. Right. And it's really only the second like, weekend. What you if know. what if uh, New Year's falls on a Friday? Then you really only have one week to. Okay, it's a whole big thing. Anyway, that's that's going to be the theme of this episode is Yankees New Year's resolutions and specifically what we would like to see the team do in the new year. Not just uh, individual players. We've kind of talked that uh, to death over the past few months after the season ended. What guys specifically need to improve going forward. But but this is going to be what the team overall and the organization has to do. So to kick that off with number one, we actually have to see the changes that Brian Cashman alluded to in his end of the season press conference. Because he said, big changes. He alluded to changes. And so far, we have not seen a damn thing happen. And I understand part of that is because there's been a lockout for a month. But there was a free agent spending frenzy across the league in the seven, eight days leading up to the lockout. And the Yankees were sitting there on their hands, twiddling their thumbs. So are we going to actually see those changes? That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I want to see changes, big ass changes. So so big ass changes, probably not, most likely, right? Unless they make some some trades that that really shake up things, which is still possible. You know, the, the first base opportunity, my my uh my Jose Ramirez, you know, dream is still out there to to um to be had. But what if Brian Cashman is is talking about faces, present faces? What if he's talking about coaching staff? What if he's talking about, you know, certain things that don't necessarily mean the actual players? Coaching staff, complete changes, right? You you have one guy, a couple of guys coming back from from the old regime, uh, including Boone. Harky, uh, uh, Carlos um, Mendoza. You got some guys that are that are coming back, but there's a lot of changes on that side. So you could say that the players are seeing and hearing new voices that that could warrant, uh, you know, justification for his changes. Who he knows? was more he talking about open. the roster, though. He was more talking about the roster, and he, I mean, he called out shortstop. He said we need to find a shortstop. They don't have a shortstop. He did say it's the, a priority. They don't have a shortstop on the roster right now. No, they don't. So yeah, they they. I would love to see continuous changes, but we, we don't, let's let's see if it actually happens. I hope he's not talking about just the coaching staff. But yes, this is what needs to happen. They need to make personnel changes on the field, uh, and, and Brian Cashman needs to come out. Honestly, you know, once this lockout is is over, knock on wood. Hopefully, you know, this thing is over in the next month. 
month at well, month, it has month, to be right like I it's mean, got to be over in the next month otherwise you're you're leaking into spring training it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be spring training is spring it. training is seven weeks away okay yeah. if they take another month like it has to happen <laughs> it has to happen in the first two weeks of, a lot of stuff's going down in the first two weeks of january you're wishing people happy new years and mlb is figuring out the lockout okay that's what's going to happen in the first two weeks of january I, I, I would be very surprised if they fix, if they do this in two weeks and figure it out. I would, I would anyway, be shocked too because it's baseball and it's going to take an eternity. If they they um, yeah they got to make these changes quick, but he's got to come out swinging like he's already planned it, ready to go. A lot of things are already happening, and and once this thing lifts, like he better make some moves because at that point it's going to be a race to sign the remaining guys, and you know maybe not specifically to the shortstop <laughs> position because a lot of them already got filled in the teams that that are. Uh, looking for a shortstop, I've already fulfilled that or filled that spot. Um, but, you know, as soon as I would not be surprised that as soon as the lockout happens, like that first 48 hours is going to be just like, go, 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 because there's going to be a lot of obviously a lot of competition to to get the guy. So once it does go down, like Brian Cash would better be ready, have his have a speed dial, have a have a uh, strategy for outreach uh, prepared and and already having preliminary conversations with folks. One big change that that could be made to the roster is trading Glaber Torres. And neither of us had it in our GM plans, but I was kind of thinking about this over the last few days, that it, it actually might solve a lot of the problems that this roster has. And it's not that I, I necessarily am eager to, to trade Glaber, because I, I do believe that he's a better player than we saw last year and in the last couple of years. And that moving back to second base is ultimately going to be good for him and he can be closer to the 2019 and 2018 player at second base. I believe that. However, he has a ton of trade value still. And it it would solve the infield problem I think they have right now, which is you don't have a shortstop and you don't have an actual first baseman. You just have a, a couple of corner infield. You have a couple of third basemen and you have a couple of second basemen, one of which is going to be at first base. So you have guys not really in true positions. And if they want to win a World Series, I think actually a quicker path to a World Series is trading Glaber, getting value for him, and then finding a real first baseman, moving DJ to second base, finding a defensive shortstop, and having Gio at third base. That gets you, I think, a more championship caliber team quicker. But if their plan is, well, let's just keep Glaber for the long haul, then then that's going to be the plan. And, and like I understand that. But I'm almost at the point where you got to sell out to win a, win a championship soon or else it's all for naught. So uh, here's where I'll disagree on selling, getting rid of Glaber gets you to a championship faster. If you are trading Glaber Torres, you're probably not getting major league talent that's going to help you this year. You're, it's just, I don't know what you'd be, what you'd be getting in return unless you're packaging it in a in a, like a um a Matt Olson deal, which I don't think you need to. I don't I think that's actually too much value to put in a a, a deal like that considering some of the the guys that are in limbo or have, you know, a uh, a contract looming over their head with, with a team like Oakland or Cleveland. I, I don't think you need to add a Glaber in into that. I actually think you that would be overvaluing it. So, you know, you 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 see this as a logjam. I don't see it as a problem. I, I think that if if Gio Urshela becomes a guy that that is a rover and and can play different positions and fill in, and he's not an everyday player, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that 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 makes that this team that much deeper. Uh, you know, assuming there are going to be injuries, he could slot in and play. Uh, you know, full time in in three three different positions. So I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't think it's a he's a problem right now. And Glaber's value to this team in a championship window, to me, is rebounding and playing in the Bronx rather than getting prospects for him because that's what you'd be getting. You'd be what if you're trading him to a team not Oakland because Oakland is if they trade uh, Matt Olson and Chapman, which there's talks about, that they're just going to go into complete tank and rebuild mode. They wouldn't really be interested in Glaber. But what if you trade him to a team? that is ha- has like an expiring contract on somebody. Like he's going to be hitting free agency and they know they're not going to sign him and they're going to take Glaber for a couple years in arbitration. What if you do that? I, I still think that when you're looking at ar- looking around at those deals, maybe, yeah, when you're looking around at those deals, there are still a lot of prospects being, being, uh, being included in those deals. I mean, go back and look at the Lindor deal. Lindor deal, 
I mean, there were there were some major league guys in there. Cleveland but, messed but again, that up. A lot they, of prospects. Cleveland messed that up. They waited too long to trade Lindor. The Yankees are trading would be trading Glaber with years left in his heart. I'm not talking about Glaber. I'm talking about the guy that whoever they get in return would have to be someone that's 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 significant because Glaber's a true true piece and a major league piece right now. Right, it's still a ton of upside. So I just yeah. I don't know. if It's going to be a tough partner to find. It would be a very tough partner to find because you would need someone who probably isn't ready to win right now, who hasn't, who has a player that they're not going to pay and at least two years away. So, I mean, like to me, you're, you're talking about like Jose Ramirez actually fits what you're talking about. But I, again, I think that Glaber is an overpayment in that deal, considering the precedent of what's on the market. Yeah. It, but what removing Glaber from the equation does is I think it makes your entire infield defense better and you could get an actual first baseman, either trade or either trade for Matt Olson or sign Freddie Freeman. And, I still and, and, think you can do that. I st- that's 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 where no, we differ. You're, you're not going to. I don't see how it's possible to do that with Glaber because on the because then then you can have Gio Rochella as a rover. You can have him. You can still sign a defensive shortstop. You have DJ play third. You have Glaber play second. And Gio is just a guy that that plays different positions. And he 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 can go. He can play short. He can play second. He can play third. Yeah, you can I mean, probably play first if you wanted to. If you got a, a left-handed um, uh, first baseman, so I don't see that as a problem. I really don't. Yeah, it was just one thing that uh, I think could be a big change, big shakeup to the because because I actually think Glaber is kind of a problem. Uh, was a problem last year with his per, with his men- mentality too and his attitude in certain situations, and, and he didn't hustle on a few occasions. He just completely lost it in the field, seem seemingly quit uh, on at certain times uh, at a few different points. Uh, he deserved to be benched, and he was not benched. When you're, when you're, you had something in our notes here, uh, from an article from SNY, Anthony McCarron talked to a couple scouts, um, saying scout number one saying he's too talented and too young not to rebound. You think he will. And scout number two, uh, I think he was thinking about those errors at shortstop. Then he was hurt. And I think it all contributed to it. I think he was reading the newspapers. You start trying to hit three run home runs and one at bat, try to do too much. His best position is second base. You can see it more comfortable there. And his offense, uh, will not rebound at shortstop. So that's, that's, the scouts are also, they're seeing the exact same thing we've all seen, right? Like he was not comfortable, clearly. It was affecting everything else. He's a bit of a mental case. Hopefully another year of maturity uh, and then locking him into a position where he's comfortable will let the other talents come to fruition and he can play, um, you know, the baseball that we think he's capable of. So I, I think it would be, it would it would not, I think the Yankees want to see another full year of him at second base to see if that offense will rebound because the offense was electric when it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I do think that's what they're going to do. It was just posing an option. Okay. The number two thing we want to see them do is they need to stop with the we're close rhetoric, specifically Aaron Boone needs to stop with the we're close rhetoric because this team has not been close for a couple of years now. And he even still talked about how he thinks the roster is championship caliber after Brian Cashman said, in his press conference, uh, we need big changes on this roster. An hour later, Aaron Boone's sitting there telling the media, I think this roster is championship caliber. It's like, no, dude, it's not. Even the general manager admitted it's not. So I'm done with the Aaron Boone rhetoric. I understand he's the manager for the foreseeable future. He needs to just change his shtick. He needs to change his rhetoric because I, I, I'm just done with it. I'm sick of it. Do you think that, it, I think it's funny that when Brian Cashman says, yeah, the players on the field aren't, but he's like, yeah, they are they are uh, Boone. I mean, it, that's a direct reflection then. Well, the manager doesn't think they are, but you think they are. So, so what's, where's the, uh, where's the rub there? Are you not getting what you should be getting out of these players then? Like you're just a, it's just another notch to saying you're a piss poor manager and you're not getting the, the, yeah, the talent's there, but I can't get it out of them. I just can't get it out of them. The talent's there, but I can't get them to play. I just can't. Like it's it's thinking back at that comment, it's just so ridiculous. It's it's like he just reverted back to what he was saying during the season. He didn't actually understand that. Okay, now the season is over, and the general manager just sat here and told these reporters that the roster is not good enough. It's okay if I say the roster is not good enough at this point. I don't need to call out specific players, but it's okay to acknowledge that that comment was just said, and it's a true comment. Stop acting like their shit doesn't stink. Also, a kind of like a sub bullet of that. The entire team needs to stop acting like their shit don't stink. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Number three, this kind of goes with the stop acting like your shit don't stink. Come out in April with some urgency. Play good baseball in, in April rather than just acting like, oh, we we're walking through the motions in spring training. We're good. We got this. We're going to just waltz to the division title and we're, we we're kind of entitled there where we belong there. No, in April last year, you went 12 and 14 and time and time again, this team, this specific roster of players has been sloppy in April, horrible baseball in April, and it puts them in an immediate hole. Play with some urgency in April right from the get-go. Just get off to a good start, please. I think that that's really very important. And I'm curious as to how you think they're going to get to that point. Does that mean that they have to, you know, they should get more time in spring training, get more reps in spring training so that they're, they got the cobwebs off and they're not using it as, as much of a, you know, cause they don't really, I feel like they, they, they still use the month of April as a warm up to get into it. And I mean, you could say that across baseball that most teams do in fact do that, but it, I agree with you. I think, especially given the state of this division, this team really, st- they need to get off. Like every single team still wants to bury the Yankees, no matter what. They need to come out of the gate and establish a presence that they are not here to to dick around. Like they're, they're, there is a sense of urgency back against the wall. All, give me that rhetoric. Give me the rhetoric where there's there's urgency involved in the, in the verbiage. The back against the wall stuff from Aaron Judge was outstanding. I want to hear more of that. I want to hear more of that. And you're right. They got to come out. They got to come out swinging because there's a lot of doubt here. There's a ton of doubt. And if that doubt continues to sink in and prevails and, and you know, gets into the head of all of the fans and the media, it's just not going to be a season that's going to be enjoyable for these guys at all or the fans. Like, they need to come out. They really do. I'm not foolishly saying that every game in April needs to be treated like a do or die Every single game. game in April should be a must-win game. Like, they're still going to ease their pitching staff into things. Guys aren't going to be throwing 100, 100 plus pitches on a nightly basis. They're not going to throw bullpen arms on night after night after night. I know all that's going to happen. This is more about a mentality of the team. And specifically, kind of this goes into number four, having better fundamentals. Like in April, it's not just that they're losing games, it's that they're they're kicking games away. They're booting the ball in the field. They're making a ton of outs on the base paths. They're, they just look sloppy altogether horrible at the plate, terrible execution at the plate, specifically with runners in scoring position. So just play better fundamentally, have a little bit more urgency, like your shit doesn't stink in April. And maybe instead of going 12 and 14, 
you'll go 15 and 10 or something like that. You don't have to go 20 and five, but just don't bury yourself in April and don't look like crap. That's what I ask for. Just look better. Just look better overall. Do you believe in momentum? Of course. You do in sports. You think momentum is a real thing in in, yeah. in game and in season, like across multiple games. Yeah. And I think in baseball, it's it's really a factor for players. Like we just talked about Glaber Torres, his negative momentum causes him to be awful. So I, I think it's interesting because a lot of people don't. Uh, I think of our uh, guys on, on Blue Wire, the, uh, the Stay Hot guys that you know, one of the reasons why their name of their podcast is Stay Hot is because of it was a joke on the momentum. They uh, they don't. A lot of them don't believe in momentum in football. Like it, because the continue the, the the narrative is in football. You have the momentum until you don't have it anymore. You lose it, right? In game, right. so it doesn't actually exist. And I, I think it's an interesting topic because in baseball, to me, when you see guys succeeding, and when you when it's such a different sport because it's so individualized, but your confidence level to me does affect how you play in the field. It, it absolutely it's a human does. Fact. It's a human factor. Of course it does. But it's it's different in the sense that like for baseball, because you see guys around <sighs> you picking their game up, it almost like heightens your awareness or heightens your, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at the little things or I don't, I don't know how to exactly describe it or pinpoint it, but I think it does affect baseball in a considerable way. And when you come out with confidence and you know that you're going to hit your spots as a pitcher or you come into the zone that you're going to make contact no matter what, like you have that feeling. It's just a different feeling. I think it is similar in, in, uh, in basketball, even because of that muscle memory, you're repeating the same thing over and over again, baseball, same way you feel good at the plate. You can repeat that, repeat that, repeat that. And when you're doing, uh, you know, doing that over and over again, and you're building onto it, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. So I, I agree with, I, I believe in it for sure. Um, and when you're talking about April, I think it's that's the hardest time to get it, to get any momentum with a with a team because of the the sloppiness of April, you know, as as it naturally comes out. Because you're not, you haven't played a good amount of time, you don't have that full muscle memory intact, you're not, you know, feeling as good as you probably will in the plate, uh, at the plate or in the field uh later in the season. So, you know, I think it's a, taking advantage of the little things, playing fundamental baseball. You know, the next one, number five here, I'm going to just go into it okay, because can I think I say, it's very relevant. Can I say one more thing about the April and the momentum thing? <clears throat> a problem with this team has had, again, with their shit don't stink. It's like they would, I think last year in April, they got swept by the Tigers, a terrible team. And that should be like sounding off alarm bells, like, holy crap, let's wake up. Instead, they're just like, no, we're good. We got this. Our shit don't stink. And you continue to play bad baseball. No, if you lose a series that you shouldn't lose to a bad bottom feeder team, change it. Change. Have some urgency. But, that, but just, that's that's the the opposite approach in baseball when you're when you're talking to most baseball people is you gotta stay the course because it's such a long season. This team so has if, tried to stay the course for four years and it hasn't worked. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. But I'm saying the the contrarian argument there is going to be stay the course because it's a long season and you believe in what you're doing. I think that's what's different here. I don't believe in what they're doing. I don't yeah. believe in How their could approach. You? How could if you? their approach, if their approach were better and they were playing better fundamental baseball and, and they were just losing games because the other team was like getting timely hits or, you know, they weren't booting the ball around. It, I would feel differently about losses. You get outplayed, you get outplayed. Fine. You're like yes. a, a, an opposing pitcher pitches eight shutout innings and they're just dominating. Okay. That shit happens. But the narrative of I'm going to keep going because because it's it's April and we got to keep it to long season. Fine, great. But if you're playing bad fundamental defense, that's what you need to change. Like yeah. those things change them. If you're at at the plate and you have an approach and you're, it's not there yet, but you believe in that approach, understand. Stay with that approach. Do it. Do what you got to do, and 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 that will happen. But when you're talking about like base path stuff, like you could drill that. You could change the way that you do that. And hopefully, hopefully this year with the new voices that they have in the in the uh, in the locker room and in the dugout, uh, the coaching staff that 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 will be you know an early early uh, you know just narrative of how this team is going to play. Good fundamentals, heads heads headsy baseball. Going to play some some good cerebral baseball, and uh, and then you could stick with an approach at that point. Yeah, absolutely. What you were going to say on number five is <clears throat> fewer strikeouts up and down the lineup. And better execution with runners on base and runners in scoring position. Part of that is team building, right? Like if you have a bunch of guys on the roster that are 
home run or strikeout. Well, guess what? I mean, changing your approach is only going to do so much. So you do have to put different players on the field to really, really make an impact there. But you can have a different approach when there's runners on base and you can try and execute, try and move runners and try and score runners instead of stranding a ton of base runners. Because this team last year, 24.5% strikeout rate as a squad, and they were still getting on base. They had one of the higher on base percentages in the league, but they scored. They didn't score a lot of runs. So it wasn't a get on base problem. It was a execute with runners on base problem. Mostly strikeouts. Yeah, mostly strikeouts. Move, move. Give me, give me some base runners running around. I've talked about this so many times. Uh, you know, one, it's just, it's more fun to watch because you got action on the field. But two, yeah, when you have, when you have that many guys or that many double plays that you're grounding into or, you know, strikeouts uh, with runners in scoring position or the ability to move a runner to put him in scoring position, it's it's just they're killers. They're killers, and and unfortunately, that's just the way that this team is constructed. Hopefully, they're able to get some better performance. I think a lot of why that that really started rolling downhill in a bad way early in the season is because there were so many guys struggling and not playing to what they're supposed, what we expected them to do, and and you know that is a that is a big deal coming out hot, but also doing the things that you're supposed to do. Number six is stabilizing the top of the lineup. DJ LeMahieu returning to form as the on-base percentage machine stabilizes the top. You know, we need to understand that 2021 was a fluke or, you know, based upon the injuries that we found out later, he had a core injury and who knows how long that was lingering on. But he's such a big factor at the top of that lineup. I know you're going to shit all over this and as you probably find right to do it along with everybody else. But if the Aaron Hicks is a, is a player and he's uh, and he's healthy again, that's that's another guy who on base percentage a lot of people love people love him in the in the leadoff spot. You want him? I kind of like him in the nine spot. Okay, huh? Yeah. I, you know, I say, want him in the nine. I've always wanted him in the nine spot. I want DJ as my 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 leadoff guy for sure. But that's that's not the way it does happen when when Aaron Hicks is a healthy player. He's usually no, he'll in bat the third spot. Boone will bat him third to break up the Maybe. race. Which is ridiculous, but the um, so the top of the lineup is a is a, a key piece because when you have the strikeout home run guys that are coming up after in the meat of that lineup, and Aaron Judge really isn't a typical strikeout guy either. He does he does go bat to ball and hits the gaps, but when you have those big big bats coming up at in the in the three four five six spots, you need runners on base, and the top of the lineup just didn't do the job early on, and a lot of it was because DJ LeMahieu was struggling. So need him back in a big way. He's a big catalyst to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Judge had an MVP caliber season last year, but a big problem was that DJ didn't have the season that we expected him to have ahead of Judge in the in the lineup. So no, I mean you know people don't want to look at RBIs as a stat, but you it, it, but it is telling to what happened ahead of you. And when you see the the limited you know RBIs by Judge, you could just tell that the team wasn't clicking because he did his job and his numbers probably should have been inflated way more than they than they actually ended up being. Uh, but but. The, the people in front of him were not doing their job. All right. Number seven. I think this is a big one. Grow a sack and make a decision with Gary Sanchez in the catching position. Make a decision one way or the other. Are you committing to Gary Sanchez being the starting catcher or have you given up on it and really just give up? Don't have him linger around. There needs to be a decision made with the catching position this year. If Gary Sanchez is on this team in spring training and ends up being on this team in uh, uh, on opening day, I need to see Gary Sanchez as the starting catcher, the guy who catches the majority of the time for for anybody and everybody. You're right. This 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 whole 50-50 nonsense needs to go away. It's it's not the way it needs to happen. If Gary Sanchez is going to be the player that anybody thinks he can be, which he did start out a much better player in the beginning of 21, he's got to play. He's got to play. They got to ride or die with him. He is important if he's on this team. If he's not on this team, We'll figure out who the hell is on this team and and same thing, stabilize the position. But if he's there and and it's only, you know, backup guys, depending on who those backup guys are, if if Higgy's the other guy on this team, you gotta play Gary Sanchez and you gotta have Gary Sanchez coming out there that first month in April, catching uh, Gary Cole every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Set a tone. You can't do what you did last year, which is have Gary Sanchez start on opening day just for optics and then never have him catch Garrett Cole again because that's so clearly bullshit and we saw right through it. You have to make a decision. Commit or move on. That's what I ask. I would prefer to move on. You and I both wanted to move on in our GM offseason plans, 
But if they're not going to move on, then actually commit. Can't You can't live in the middle with it. Given the situation now and given who's available and you know who's probably available by trade, like you're not going to get a better situation than Gary Sanchez. Even no, if, you you, you even probably if Gary Sanchez doesn't long. live up to the even if he's not the guy that you know we we th- we thought he could be. If he's if he's sixty percent of that guy, you're still looking at probably the best option considering what is available it's, to you. So it's kind of scary, but you might be right. They probably well they maybe didn't wait too long. Maybe they didn't want to make a move there. Maybe they are fine with. Right. Maybe so, so. So who knows? But but then commit if that's the case. Then commit. then you got exactly. He's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number eight, play Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield. I say at least a third of his games played should be outfield. Yes, don't start in July either. Don't start in July. I, I want that. I want that happening early. Let's get into a, a, a rotation and, uh, and and get him involved in the field. Everything we saw last year was that man became a better baseball player when he had uh, time in the field and he just had reps. He was just more involved in the game, which I, to me makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yep. When you're involved in the game and you're you're doing all the things that you've done your entire career, then yeah, your your body's just more into the game. So um, I'm all about that. I am. There's all no about reason that. he can't play right or left field one one game per series, which is a third of the games. There's no reason. And if you have injuries, he can play a little bit more. If your outfield is clicking and everyone's healthy, he can play slightly less because he can DH slightly more. But like you just said, he can't be just a DH until July 15th, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, let's get him in the out. No, none of that. Play him from the beginning, and maybe he'll have an MVP caliber season, which, if you look at his numbers, August on, when he played the outfield, he was an MVP caliber player. Some would say, and some meaning like you a month ago, was the reason why he he had that August tear was because he didn't play the field in the beginning because he was managing said load no, that's on not, his that's, body. That is, you're completely twisting what I have said. But, and what fine, my- but if that's if that's... If that was part of the plan, and no, that wasn't part him, of the plan. That how wasn't, do you know? Because last year he he had he had some nagging injuries. Remember, he didn't he have a calf thing or something right out of spring training, and then they basically said he can't do anything in the field. So, assuming he's healthy, which he proved, I can play the outfield on a regular basis, and my body won't break. Okay, he in proved, warm in warm weather. I don't know. Put some stuff, some hand warmers in his jersey or something. I don't freaking know. In the calf. Maybe yeah. it's going to be an unseasonably. Maybe we're going to have a hot April. Okay. Maybe it's going to be seventy-five and sunny. Just every make day. sure his calves are hot. Yeah. Just stuff get some stuff, hot calves. Stuff the hand warmers, like the ski warmers. Just stuff those in his socks, and his calves will be nice and nice and loose. Did they make socks with like radiant heat? I'm Did sure they? they do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, pods and radiant heat socks keeps everybody's. That's, that's, yo, I think we're onto something actually. How about, give me some radiant heat around all the soft tissue on every player. Everyone. Soft tissue, radiant heat, keep it nice and warm, less, less injuries. You know, I'm sure that the fabrics are very, very thin these days and they can, and they can build it in. You know, this, this is like a 2022 Costanza moment, I think, with uniforms. Aaron Hicks is just radiant be, heat uniforms. Aaron Hicks is going to be wrapped head to toe. You're not even going to be. It's going to be like the Christmas uh, a Christmas story kid where he just can't move his arms because he's got so many like radiant heat layers because his body is just that broken. Maybe it's just maybe it's the fibers and the and the actual uniform that activate upon movement that that like you know jolt it and give you some Can't, some stimulated heat. Yeah, I mean, didn't Nike take over the jersey? Like, maybe Nike's got some new technology that we're not aware of. Oh, I'm sure they have the technology there. Like, I think that I think that is something. Whoever is a, uh, if you listen to the show and you work at Nike, 
<coughs> let us know because that's a genius idea. And what playing Stanton in the outfield does is it gives the outfield flexibility instead of locking a DH in for the majority of the time. And right now, with the way the outfield is, you don't really have a full-time center fielder, so you're going to have to get guys rotating around. You have to get guys rotating. Aaron Hicks is not a full-time center, full center fielder. He's not. Right though, now, he he's is. Not. He's not a full-time center fielder, though. He's going, he, he is. Might be, but he, he can't play full-time center field. He won't hold up. Okay? You agree? You're saying this, but I'm, but I'm saying that he is, he's going to walk in as the everyday center fielder. Do you disagree with that? I Unless dis- they make a move. Y- yes, I disagree. Unless they make a move. I disagree with that because I think even if he is healthy and they don't make a move in the outfield, they're going to have to get other guys in the outfield sometimes because he can't play every day. Okay, fine. But he's the he is the starting center fielder. Fine. But which which means he's going to play four or five days of the week in center field. But if he plays four or five days. I feel like days, your expectations need to be managed in this in this aspect because he is going to be that guy until until if they don't use the radiant heat around his hamstrings, the soft tissue, soft tissue injury occurs. Four or five days a week is 65% of games. Okay. So the other 35% of games, you're going to have to have either Gallo or Judge in center field. When you have those guys in center field, Aaron Hicks is not moving over to a corner because the whole point of taking Aaron Hicks out of the lineup is to get him rest. So when you do that, Stanton is going to have to play the outfield. That's a big caveat there. I think that's that's a huge caveat. If Stanton is doing that from the beginning and he's going into the field, then you're able to do that a lot more easily, for sure. Unless you have another, uh, you know, center field or outfielder, excuse me, that's that's roving and that's, you know, they've signed a couple guys that are um, more journeymen, defensive outfielders. Again, I've been I've been talking about you know bringing up some uh, some some minor leaguers and and using them in a in a defensive spot. I'm fine with that. But they have to they have to be able to get Stanton in there if they're going to use their big players. I think Gallo should be the other center fielder and just like identify him as that. Fine. In these times when that, Stanton is playing, if Gallo first of all, got no problem with taking Gallo out of the lineup either, to be honest. But if if you if Gallo's going to be out there, him playing defensively center field to me makes a lot of sense. I would rather see him in center field than Judge, to be honest. I would la- rather Judge just be the right fielder and stay there and have Gallo as the guy that switches, which makes a lot of sense because then Stanton can play left. Yeah, the only thing there is that Stanton, right field actually is probably more conducive to Stanton, especially at Yankee Stadium. It's a lot easier to play than left field is. But he can play left field. You can, can. establish that as the guy. he can pl- When he goes out there, he can play left field. I don't think he's a, he's not a bad left fielder. I think he can play the position with no problem. And Gallo, Gallo can, uh, Gallo, so, right. And what you do there is, again, Hicks is coming out of the lineup to rest. He's not coming out of center field to go play a corner outfield position. Gallo, right. hopefully his body can hold up. He seems to be a, more athletic, more, you know, less injury he's prone. He's a cool glove defender in the right. outfield. So, so that, that, that could work. And I think the math, if you, if we're talking about a third of the time for Stanton and a third of the time out of the lineup for, for Aaron Hicks, like the math should work out theoretically. It depends on how many games Brett Gardner is going to play, but yeah. <laughs> uh, number nine is give Aaron Judge a contract extension. Brian Cashman said he's going to talk to him about it in spring training. Okay, fine. You're going to wait to spring training. Sometime in spring training, there needs to be an Aaron Judge contract extension. I do not want it lingering throughout the season because it will become a distraction. Mark my words. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I Look, I love Aaron Judge. I think Aaron Judge should be a Yankee for the rest of his career. And uh, you had it in here in parentheses. You didn't say it. Did you say it? I don't know if you said it. I did it. not say Make it. him captain. So I put that in quest- a question. If you extend Aaron Judge, he's a Yankee lifer. Like The natural next move there is to make him captain. However... I do, part of me does believe a championship needs to be won and Judge needs to be on the roster with that. Before Mattingly? You, make a, you, you talking shit about Mattingly I'm right now? I'm not talking shit about Mattingly, but like... you are. I if you, you kind of are. But also, there was a freaking like new captain every 12 months under George Steinbrenner back in the 80s, okay? So then like, he thought there always needed to be a captain. And then right. after Mattingly retired, there was no captain until 2003. After four championships were won, Derek Jeter becomes captain. Okay, I'm not saying you have to do that exact same thing. And Aaron Judge, we well, Derek, learned, I mean, that was his, that was also the you know the first four years of his career too. So, but in 2000, 2001, 2002, he could have been named captain, right? The uh, yeah, 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 
the um my point is is that he won early on and made it just that much easier and and like automatic because of fine i don't think it's a must that the team wins a championship because that might never happen I also don't think it's a must that Judge needs to be named captain because also like he can be a team leader without having the label. But there's as also captain. part of the there's part of the tradition of the team which I like. I like the the Yankee traditions. I think that Yankee and tradition go go hand in hand. I think it's yeah. a good thing to have that. And I think of all the people you're looking at, let's just say let's just live in a world where Brett Gardner is not on this team, which I still think is highly unlikely. But let's just live in that world. Maybe that's the case. You look around and Aaron Judge is. is you know, one of the longest tenured Yankees at that point, you're looking at him as like the leader of the team uh, without, without the the veteran presence of someone who's been here forever. And I think it does make a lot of sense. I mean, the guy is going to be a Yankee lifer. He's conducted himself. He's now married. He's very mature. You know, he's this, he closed the gap between his teeth, like all of these things. Like he should be the captain of the New York Yankees at this point. And maybe that is a good thing for this team gelling even more to, to establish your anointed as the leader. You can talk about it. It's just a, a, a calming factor when you're talking about like, he's the guy he starts taking more of, of the, the conversation than except, you know, and where Boone might be talking, maybe Aaron judge is the one talking and, and he's not doing the rhetoric, but he's just saying the there he's, he's going down the Derek Jeter road of talking again, because that's how he started his career. I'm fine with that. I did a history episode on the the Yankees captaincy and Jeter was named captain on the road. They were in Cincinnati. They were in the middle of like a kind of crappy road trip. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they named Jeter captain. It was very weird. Um, And and I don't expect it to be like that again with Judge. But if you announce a seven or eight year contract extension with him, I think a, a a logical following press conference to that is Aaron Judge has been named captain, but obviously, or the one the box same. the one box that has not checked is contract extension, obviously, which is obviously the essential piece. And again, Yankees don't necessarily do these type of deals in season or before they are uh, the contract is up. You're not buying out a lot of years of arbitration. It's not the same thing with with Hicks or, or Severino. It's a different type of deal. So. Uh, this would go against what the Yankees normally do, but again, to me, because of the because of the situation and who it is, it makes a lot of sense. The last thing, number ten, certainly not the least thing, is win a freaking World Series. Okay, uh, I understand that they have not been close, despite what Boone has said. They have not even made the World Series since two thousand nine, but that is the goal still. Asterisk two thousand seventeen, but yeah, still the goal for this team is to win a World Series. It is not just make the playoffs. It is not win the division. It is not even just win the pennant. It is win the World Series. That is the goal for this New York Yankees team. That is the goal to win the World Series. I will say this: they need to they need to establish these um, these milestone goals for them to get to this point. They need to win the division. I think they need to make that as a big priority. Win the division. Not only not only does it set you up for success going into the playoffs or set you up in the in the in a in a good position. But what it does is it sets the tone for the team. If you win this division, it's a very difficult division. This this is all of these games that you're playing, the the, the 19 games that you're playing against all of these teams in, in this division, you know, except the Orioles, which in, they'll probably be a little bit better. They were a little bit better and they'll continue to do that. The young players are going to continue to rise and grow confidence. But the rest of those teams are no joke. They're just no joke. So when you go in there, and I understand Toronto is going to look a little different, but their core is still the same. Um, these these teams are good. So if you could come out of that division as the top team in the division, I think that that means a lot to you. And 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 you know, if we're talking about momentum and, and confidence, like that's it. You're you've gone through the battlegrounds of the AL East. You've come out as the as the AL East crown with the AL East crown, and now you're set up to make a deep run in the playoffs and and go after that title. I think they got to prioritize though winning that division. Yep, that's a that's the first thing to check off. And in order to win the division, two things need to happen that did not happen last year. Number one, like we already said, come out of the gate strong. Do not suck in April. And number two, play well against AL East opponents. They did not play well against Tampa, Toronto, and Boston last year. If you don't play well against those teams again, Baltimore, Baltimore, put Baltimore in there too. Right. I mean, you have too many games to Baltimore. Tampa won the division because they absolutely buried yeah, Baltimore. You, you got to take year. care of business when you have the opportunity to. So you win your 15 or 16 games against Baltimore and you have to play competitive against the rest of those teams. And to win the division, you're going to have to go a game or two over 500 against the rest of those teams. I don't expect them to to start sweeping series after series against those other teams again because they're good. But you can't be 
10 and 14 or whatever. No, you can't be a game or two under 500 against Tampa and, and expect to win the division. You have to play better against your AL East opponents to win the division. So yes, that's the, that's the first goal of uh, ultimately winning the World Series. Those are the 10 things, New Year's resolutions we would like to see the Yankees do in 2022. Hit us up on social, tweet at Yankees Podcast. Uh, you can DM us. Uh, actually, no, don't DM us. Just, just tweet us. I'll retweet them. Uh, whatever you want to see them do. Anything else you want to discuss? I think for our next episode, we should come back with our, our uh, New Year's resolutions for ourselves as Yankees fans. Because I think there's some things. Ten individual things resolutions as Yankees fans? I'm not doing ten. No, I'm not doing ten. No, not ten. Like, you know, one or two. For you personally. I'm not saying Yankees fans in general. I'm talking about you. Me I'm talking about me. If yeah, what I'm as a Yankees fan. Okay. Yes. I mean, okay. I can tell you the things I want you to improve on. Yeah, I know. And I'm not going to. So <laughs> we're at a standstill. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, no, I think there's there are there are some things that that I uh, that that I will improve my headspace on, and um, I'm excited, man. I think 2022, assuming they can actually play baseball and and get their heads out of their asses and and come to this uh, come to an agreement that makes sense for both parties, or at least kind of makes sense for both parties. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think that this could be a um, this could be a good season. So we'll see. We'll see All what right. Cashman has up his ass. That will wrap up today's episode. I wish everybody out there a very happy new year, and we will talk to you again in 2022. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.